So we start a brand new sermon series today. Uh, it's entitled At the Movies. If you've been here with us uh, over the last couple years, uh, this is something you've probably seen maybe a little familiar with. If you haven't been with us, just a quick little overview. Uh, during the summertime, uh, we like to do a series called At the Movies that basically takes different movies, usually current movies, and uh, allows us to be able to use each of them as a piece of allegory or as a piece of imagery to be able to showcase our scripture for the day. Uh, Pastor Mark wanted to pick this. We were trying to figure out what screen we were going to pick, and he was like, oh, we got to get this one. It looks like your shoes are sticking up there. I was like, okay, we're going to have that one. Those might be my shoes, but I guarantee you that's his popcorn that's up there. But the big thing I want you to be able to remember for this series is even though we're showcasing uh, a different movie every single week, the main point is to showcase the scripture message. The main thing is to be able to use this just like Mark or I use a, a story as a piece of imagery to be able to help us better remember. Uh, so Remember, it's not all about the movies. It's all about our text. It's all about our gospel. Just use this as a tool to be able to help you remember the message for the day. I promise uh, when we go over the different movies, I'm never going to give you a spoiler alert. Uh, I told the first uh, service the same thing. I'm not going to speak for Pastor Mark. I don't know. He might throw in some spoilers there. But today, the movie we're going to look at, as we said last week, is Father Stew. Uh, maybe some of you had the opportunity to see this week. Actually, I know some of you told me on your way in that you actually watched this movie this week. Uh, this is, uh, it's, a, it's a neat movie. I'd encourage you to be able to uh, check it out. It's a story of a, a man named Stuart Long. It's a story that is based off his life, a completely uh, true story, of an individual who is an amateur boxer. He lives in Helena, Montana. And at some point in his life, he makes this change. But before he, he gets to that, he's an individual that has a, a horrible relationship with his mom. Uh, he has some really bad things happen in his life. Uh, his dad is an alcoholic, and he's kind of estranged from him. Uh, he gets into some trouble and gets thrown into to jail. Uh, but he's an individual that, like I said, is, is altered in his life. At one point in his life, he finally recognizes that living under uh, substance abuse or dedication to sexual gratification or being in uh, sin in any way, it just isn't working. It's all these things he's digging in and trying to find fulfillment in, and it's, it's not happening. And so he makes a change from being a one who is thrown into prison into one who is actually a priest. He has this calling from God to be able to go into the ministry, and he changes his whole life to be able to, instead of serving himself, into serving others around him, and most importantly, to serving the Lord. Some of you in here, maybe your story looks a little bit like Stuart Long's. Maybe you had a, a, a past that has some really bad stuff in it, or, or even a current present that does. Maybe you have someone in your family that is an alcoholic or has dealt with substance abuse. Maybe you have uh, a poor relationship with someone within your family. Maybe a mother or father. Maybe it's a, a sibling. Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, it's someone in here today that is having some of these problems themselves. 
all of those things will, will pair us up with this story. Now, some of you have been to church maybe your whole life. Maybe it's something that has uh, always been built into you. You've always been in the church, but I guarantee you, for you too, if you look back on your life, you can find areas where we have definitely made mistakes, where we have slipped up big time, and when we have needed to be able to confess our sins too. And so no matter who you are or where you're at or what you're struggling with and all those things, all of us today can see this story of somebody going from being a prisoner to a priest in our story of people who need to be moved from being a sinner to being a saint, people who are changed by God. And so today, we're going to look at that epistle lesson that uh, Craig read for us, and we're going to look at uh, how it has a little bit of allegory with that story of people who are struggling, but people who need to recognize that and also find freedom. So let's review our epistle lesson for today. It comes from the book of Galatians chapter 3. Uh, remember, the, that name is just the group of people that Paul is writing to, uh, the church in the city of Galatia. And so he's writing to a church just like ours. And so today, take these words for what they are, to people just like yourselves. It says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Do you get a picture in your mind when you hear about that concept of being locked up? Maybe you think of uh, the prison bars like you would see in a movie. Uh, maybe you think about somebody being in handcuffs and they're, they're on their way to be locked up. Paul, when he talks about us being locked up today, he's sharing what Satan's will is for your life. Satan would love it so much for every single one of us in here today if you could be locked up in that prison, that prison of guilt, that prison of anxiety, that prison of, of fear, that prison of sin. He would hope that some of us would just hate it so much that we would think that we could never be able to escape from it, that we were just trapped there forever, stuck in this prison. He would hope that some of us would like it so much to be able to be there that we would just, after a while, enjoy it and just live a life of sin, and that would be what it would be. But this was never God's intention for us. People like to be able to blame things on other things within our world, and people do it with God, too. People blame God all the time for having a poor life or not having things go well in their life. And if you see this movie Father Stew, he does the same thing. He is estranged from God because all these bad things are happening in his life that he thinks God doesn't love him or that God can't be this huge part in his life. And that's not the truth. It is not God's will that we would be locked up in sin or that we would struggle or have pain. It's Satan's will. Satan wants to be able to feed you that lie so that he will form this, board, this burden uh, that is upon your heart, this barrier between you and God. It's lawlessness. That's the problem. Sin in our world, that it's in the form of lawlessness. Lawlessness is everywhere. It's all over the place. Lawlessness has infiltrated uh, science. Lawlessness has infiltrated our economy. Lawlessness has infiltrated education. Lawlessness has infiltrated even the church at times. All because every one of those institutions and every other one 
that exists on earth all has people in it. People that are not perfect. People that are sinful. And lawlessness is a, is a horrible thing that we struggle with and that we get caught in. But because of that, God gives us an answer. And today I want to talk a little bit about that answer. It would be super easy for me just to tell you today, you know what that answer is? It starts with a J. Anybody want to guess what it is? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. I can just tell you, you know, that answer is Jesus. God gives you Jesus. You are set. You are ready to go. Yeah, we can really get out of here early today. And that is true that Jesus is truly that answer. It's God's love that he gives to us. But I also want us to be able to recognize the lawlessness that God answers through Jesus in, a, in additional means. There's a reason why we need Jesus, and I want us to really be able to understand that today. You see, God also answers lawlessness with his commands. He answers lawlessness actually with that word, the law. We need the gospel that Jesus comes for us, that he dies on the sin on the cross for our sins, that he, he rises again, but we also need this law of being able to recognize that we are sinners who need Jesus. There is no substitution for the law. There is no substitution. You can't put something else in its place. You and I need to recognize that we are sinners. Think about it like this with me today. Have you ever tried to substitute something that didn't fit? Something for something else that didn't fit. Let me just explain it a little bit. I have uh, a bad habit sometimes of being able to substitute a tool for another tool. I, I shouldn't do it, but I do it. It's not even that I don't own the tool. I own the tool. I just don't want to get off the ladder to be able to walk out to the garage to be able to get the tool that I need. And so all of a sudden, my wrench can be a hammer. My drill can be whatever I want it to be. And you know what usually happens? Uh, it usually takes longer. Most often, I usually break something else and usually I just have to go get the tool I needed to be able to begin with, to be able to finish the project. Maybe you are like that too. Maybe you like baking. Have you ever tried to substitute something in baking? Uh, maybe you just didn't have it. And again, I just don't want to go to the store. And so I'm going to try to use this instead of that. Maybe you came up with this wild idea that uh, today I'm going to give my husband uh, healthy cookies. And so I'm going to substitute this sugar for uh, let's try spinach today and see how, that, see how that works out. Does it taste like a cookie? No, it tastes like something. Cookies are supposed to taste like cookies. I'm pretty sure about that. Substituting something for another changes something. It alters something. It doesn't fit like it's supposed to. And this is the same for God's law. God's law that he gives to us cannot be substituted with something else. God's commandments that he provides for us can't be altered or they can't be changed. God has given us this recipe. God has given us this tool. And so let's put it into practice. Who else better is there to be able to follow? And so today, uh, if you were ever in confirmation before or recently, we're going to do a super brief review of the three uses of the law. 
The law is these commands that God has given to us. And so we're going to look really quick. What are the three uses we have for these in our life? Because they're all existent within our um, uh, text that we have for today from Galatians. Let's go back to that, and we'll kind of move back and forth. So these are Paul's uh, words again to this church. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. The law being a guardian. Did everybody here, I assume for the most part, get to our church by Scottsdale Road today? I don't think there's any other entrances, right? Most of you came through Scottsdale Road. How many people know the speed limit on Scottsdale Road? What is it? 50. Yeah, right out front. It's 50. 50. How many people in here drive the speed limit on Scottsdale Road? Oh, we got one. Yeah. You know what, Jeff? You are not lying. You are actually completely true. Your wife has told me, yeah. And she has also told me that when she's driving and driving too fast, you get after her. <laughs> Don't share secrets with me. That's what happens. 50 miles per hour. That's what it is. 50 miles per hour out front. But you know what? How fast is it? everybody else in our community driving on that road? How fast? What do you think? 60, 65, yeah, sure, 70, there you go, yeah, yeah, they're driving, they're driving pretty quick, they're, they're really moving, it's, it's amazing, now it's written right there, right, the law is written there on signs up and down, the law is also written upon their minds and their hearts, right, you guys all knew it was 50, everybody in our community knows that it's 50, but even though it's written for them to be able to see, even though it's written on their minds and their hearts, they're still not following the law. Why is that? But it changes, right? Sometimes it changes. All of a sudden, there's something else there. And I don't care if you're 16 in your mom's minivan, or if you're 65 in your nice Corvette, you're doing 49 all of a sudden on Scottsdale Road, right? Everybody is following the speed limit. Why? Well, nobody wants to go to traffic school. Nobody wants to waste their time getting pulled over or be late somewhere. Nobody wants to be able to pay a fine. There's all these penalties that are all of a sudden recognized. The speed limit has not changed. It is exactly the same that is posted. It is exactly the same in our minds. We all knew it. It's the penalty that all of a sudden we see that changes that. This is the purpose of the law. Just as that officer is there, a just officer, to be able to share with you that command that you have broken to be able to serve and to be able to protect our community. That's who God is for us. One who is there to be able to serve and to be able to protect. And so he gives us this law. This is the first use of the law, that it's like a curb. If you've ever hit a curb before, you know what I'm talking about. It's pretty abrupt. It really can, can jolt you. Guys, stop looking at your wives. That's not nice. It can, really, it can really get you. And what is it made to do? It's not made to be able to hurt you. If so, we would have curbs that have like spears coming out of them, right? Or like blades spinning next to them. No, they're there to be able to be this, this reminder, to be able to put you back on the path that you're supposed to be able to be on. This is what God's law does for us. It's not to hurt us. God gives this to us to be able to keep us on this path. Actually, for our world to be able to live in an orderly fashion and to be able to be organized. God's first use of law 
is this curb that he gives to us? Again, to keep us on that path that leads to him. All right, let's go back to Paul's letter to the Galatians again as we go to our next use. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. What a great passage on Father's Day. You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. All right, this is going to be the second use of the law today. Uh, First of all, it has that highlight of baptism in there. It's great for us to be able to uh, remember that great gift. Uh, I do a pretty good job in my daily devotion every morning. I don't always do a great job of remembering um, my baptism. Sometimes we think a baptism is just on one day that happens when we're a kid. Maybe for some of us as adults, maybe we'll remember the anniversary, especially for our kids. But we should remember it every day. Remember that you're a, a child of God, that he has adopted you into his family. As it said in that text for today, because of that, you are an heir. You are one who receives everything there is to be able to receive. And that includes God's love, forgiveness, and it includes a heavenly home that it is waiting for you. Do not miss what baptism is. But to be able to get to that, it's important for us to be able to know that we are sinners. We're going to have a, a little boy baptized in uh, our early service in a couple of weeks, and his parents are going to be there, and his grandparents, and even his great-grandparents, and they all are there to be able to get him baptized, but they have to know that this little one needs to be baptized, and we need to know that too. So how do we know that? Well, this is that second use of the law. Second use of the law is like a mirror. It shows us that we are a sinner. When you go and look in the mirror in the morning, when you're trying to look at your hair, trying to do your makeup, whatever it may be, it shows you what is incorrect, right? You look in that mirror to be able to see what is not in place, what is not right, what you don't like, and what you need to then change, to be able to change that hair, that makeup, that outfit. And God's law does the same thing. When we look into that mirror, it shows us what is incorrect in our lives, It shows us those sins that we have committed, that lie that we shouldn't have told, that we should stop lying, that gossip that we do, that we shouldn't be gossiping, stealing that we should do, or we shouldn't be stealing, you name it, all these different things. But you know what? You could go out and you could play uh, softball all day out on that field. You could go out and go hiking on a trail for hours. You can go into your backyard and you can garden uh, all day long. And when you came in and look in that mirror, you're going to see a person who's got dirt on them. You're going to see a person who's got sweat on them, that's got grime on them. You're going to see a person who is in need of being clean. We know we need that gift for baptism. We look in that mirror and we see ourselves for who we truly are. People who are dirty, people who are grimy. But you can stare in that mirror all day long and it's not going to change you. You can lean over your sink all day long. You're not going to get cleaner. You're not going to be better. You actually need to take a bath. You actually need to take a shower. You actually need to have that cleansed. And this is where baptism comes about. When we look in that mirror of the law and see that we are sinners, we recognize that we are not under this law to be able to be condemned, just to show us our sin and a need to be cleansed. And so we are baptized. This is when we are baptized. And let me tell you, 
First of all, none of you are paying attention. You're just looking at this cute baby right now. I'll give you just a second. He's really cute. For baptism, this is, this, is a great, this is a great thing. It's a gift that God gives to each and every one of us to have all that dirt and sweat and grime and sin removed from our lives. It's all taken away. If you have not been baptized and you are here today, please talk to me after the service. I would love to be able to set up a time to at least talk with you about that or set up a time to be able to have you baptized. There's no prerequisites in baptism. It's something that God gives to you. Your Heavenly Father gives to you as a gift to be able to share, again, his love and his forgiveness with you, to be able to claim you as his child. It doesn't matter if you're an infant uh, or have an infant. It doesn't matter if you're in your 80s. If you haven't been baptized or if you're watching online, send me an email today. We got to get this done. There's no reason to not get it done, to be more in this love of our Heavenly Father. And just so everybody knows, uh, sometimes people call the church office and they want to know how much it costs for a baptism. It's totally free, everybody. Free. Like in the Lutheran church, we don't charge you. It's it. You come here. I got some water. I'll even pay for the water. It's awesome. Don't worry about it. Baptism, totally free. Great gift from God. All right. Got those two uses. Curb, keeping us straight. Mirror, showing us our sin. Let's move on from there. Back to our scripture passage. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Drives me uh, crazy when people tell me that God is exclusive. That God only chooses certain people or that Christianity is only for certain individuals. Look at this text with me today. This text was written thousands of years ago. It hasn't been adapted to be able to fit our society or to be able to fit our culture. It's something that has existed and been around for a long, long time. But what Paul says there, he begins in saying, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. You guys are one in Christ. Talk about people who were, if you will, racist against each other or hated each other due to different religious beliefs people that really were at odds in all things, he says, there's there's none of that. You guys are one because of what Jesus does for you. He goes on in that next group, and he says, there's neither slave nor free. It doesn't matter what your economic class is, what your job is, what your status in life is, what your car is or your house is. You guys are all one because you were made one in Christ Jesus. He goes on and says, you know, there's not even man or woman that are separate and have different rights or different equality. Think about how early this was written, thousands of years ago, before many of these groups had any other different types of rights. This would have been so controversial for Paul to be able to write and have in public for people to be able to read. But he says, all of you are one because of what Christ does for you. You're all the same. And it goes for us in the church and people outside of the church today, too. All of us are sinners, people who need forgiveness. This does not mean that God ignores sin. This does not mean that we change anything in Scripture to adapt to anything else. This does not mean that we we bend rules in any way. 
What it does mean, again, hear this from me today, all of us, the whole world, is filled with sinners who need one Savior. He has come for us and people need to hear about him. All of us get the exact same guide. Everybody today has access to scripture. It's something that we should be super happy about. I don't even think we understand how much uh, this is a benefit to us today. That we have God's guidebook for us, and this is the third use of the law. A guidebook, a guide, curb, mirror, guide. Uh, Think about it like if you've ever gone to maybe a foreign country, and maybe you picked up a guidebook off of Amazon that had like the best hotels to be able to stay at, the best restaurants to be able to go to, but it also has other things, right? It has the places maybe not to go to. This is too busy, this place over here. Uh, This place doesn't have good service. Don't go to that one. It has the do's and the don'ts. Uh, Maybe it was a, a hike that you were going to go on. And you picked up a hiking guide, and same thing. It told you the pieces of the hike that were maybe less crowded. Uh, It told you the times of day to be able to go. Maybe it told you um, where not to go because it was too dangerous, or the level of hiking that you were to be able to experience. All of these things together were the do's and don'ts, and this is that third use of the law. It's those commandments that God gives to us. That you shouldn't steal, that you shouldn't gossip, that you shouldn't commit adultery, that you shouldn't murder, but all the things that we should do too, that we should honor our father and mother, that we should honor authorities, that we should put God first above everything. All the do's and don'ts, this guidebook that we have in life. So I hope you can remember those three things with me today, that use of the law that God gives to us. There's no substitute. You need to be able to be curbed, stay on that right path. Number two, have that mirror, be able to see that we are a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. And number three, that guidebook that shows us these are the rules that we have. These are the things that God has given to us, again, out of his love. But I can tell you right now, uh, if you did all three of those things, and you did them perfectly, your life still won't be fantastic. It doesn't matter if you follow every single one of God's law. And that doesn't mean we push them aside. It just means that's the truth, that sin still affects all of us. And as Christians, we struggle in our life. In that movie, Father Stu, he's this amateur boxer. And as he makes this transition into becoming a priest, if you watch this movie, you're going to see it and be like, his life looks like it gets worse. It looks like he has more burdens and more struggles that he has to deal with, and that might happen in this life. But for fathers too, when he faces these struggles, it allows him to be able to empathize differently with others around him that are facing struggles, and we can do that too. When he faces these different sins that are in his life, it allows him to be able to be tested and be pulled closer to God, his heavenly Father. And at the end of the day, he recognizes that he needs a savior, and he recognizes that all the people around him do too. And so he starts to be able to minister to them in any way that he can. You and I are not made perfect under the law. Now I'll go back to your original answer. I know it took me a long time to be able to get there. We need Jesus, every single one of us, to be able to be no longer under that law, but to be made perfect through the sacrifice that he makes. And so today, uh, I just wanted to close 
with a little line that was in the movie. It was a quote from Father Stu, and I thought it was a really good one for us to be able to remember. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. So let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, we know that you tell us super clearly in Scripture that in this life we are going to have troubles, but you have already told us directly after that, but take heart for you have overcome the world and have overcome all things. Lord, uh, we give praise to you today, and we pray not for an easy life. Uh, We pray, Lord, that we will be able to endure, not because of who we are, but because of who you are in our lives. And so, Lord, continue to be able to be uh, that champion who fights for us in all things, and allow us, Lord, to be that champion here on this earth that fight for other people around us and show exactly who your son is and what Jesus has come to do for them. All these things we come and lay at your precious feet is our great Father. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.